Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. All right. From the Talks and Tasties Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. This is Berg. This is Vicker. Vicker. So, this is going to be a fun show because... <laughs> Uh, the the amount of my pro sh- pro uh, my uh, podcast prep was uh, uh, a text from Berg. I don't have much for the day. It's something you want to talk about. The Berg saying, "Listen to this," and then here we are. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going. We're in the midst <laughs> and, of VBS. And, and Vicar and I just got done with VBS. Three moments. hours of uh, yeah, just moments ago. VBS. We're. Uh, Do you ever have watch a movie Berg where? Where like a bomb goes off, and then they have like the soldiers like dazed, and their ears are ringing, and they like do that effect. Yeah, like everyone's voices are kind of muffled, and they're like, "What's what's happening? What's mm-hmm. what's what's going on?" And that's the state of uh, of nineteen point oh and IR. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you know what you guys could have done. You could have watched a couple clips from Cocaine Bear, just oh. to raise your spirits. <laughs> oh yes, that always works. Yes. <laughs> you, you you haven't seen that movie yet, have you? I haven't. I uh, well, we have Peacock for a little bit longer mm. uh, because we got it for cheap. So if I get an opportunity, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very. Baker was happy about it's it. Very cerebral, but, it, but it's all right. <laughs> I uh, I I got enough stuff to ke- to get us covered. So right on. <laughs> well, you have our back. Look at you. So, it's, a, it's a team effort. Yeah, indeed. Team effort. So uh, I've got something to drink. Okay. This is uh, Jameson Stout Edition. So Ooh. whiskey finished in craft beer barrels. So it's got it's supposed to have a rich coffee, smooth chocolate, and butterscotch taste to it. So That sounds like two of my favorite things combined, and so I definitely have to try that. You know me. I just live the dream out yeah. here. If I, if I had that right now, I would be on the table drooling. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like so, yeah. Sunday, uh, Vicar gave me left me a little bit too much wine at the end, and oh, I'm pretty careful. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a bunch. We had a bunch. All the people who take it went at the beginning, and then yeah, you yeah. You know that's so funny. It's such a funny what you'll notice. But when we did the first rail load, I have no idea if that's the right word of service. Rail load, yeah, the first <laughs> rail load <laughs> of the people waiting for communion. It was a clean sweep of common cup. I've never come close to that. It was like, it was remarkable to where me and, uh, and the elder that was helping like stood and looked at each other and was like, did you see that? Yeah. Cause he was serving the, the individual cups and I served the common cup. He didn't give anybody an individual cup. Nobody wanted one. Speaker a little more closely into the, Oh, there we go. There we go. So, so we had kind of this record breaking moment where, uh, a clean sweep on a rail load of people taking the common rail cup. Load. Yeah, I think that is a liturgical. Uh, <laughs> is it? Uh, listener, if it's, if uh, pastors out there, if you know whether it's called a rail load or not, <laughs> yeah. let us know. So how is that, by the way? Uh, I've had this before. Uh, it's pretty good. It's got beautiful notes uh, on the on the nose. And so, of course, I you know, am using a plastic cup right now, so keeping mm. it classy. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, so you guys want to talk a little bit about VBS? What do you, what are you guys are doing for the yeah. people who are? Yeah, we're you know, uh, we're uh, we're uh, <laughs> have some Bible passages they're learning. We're teaching them the Apostles' Creed. Yes, we, we have are. a lot of children who uh, are coming over from the daycare next door, 
and they're learning the Apostles' Creed for the very first time. That's right. Mm-hmm. We have a curriculum that's called the River of Life, and it's from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. And so the focus on, uh, we, we selected three lessons out of it. It could be a five-day lesson plan, but we used three of them. And so it was, they're all tied together with the theme of, of God's water of life. So the first day we teach creation, how God made the earth and heaven in six days and rested on the seventh. And we taught them that the eighth day is when you are baptized and you receive new life. So God gives us life with water in creation, and he gives us new life on the eighth day in baptism. Um, the second day, we learned another lesson about how God saves people through water. And so that was actually today's lesson. And we talked about Moses leading the children of Israel through the Red Sea and God saved them through water. And at least with the older kids, because we split them into a younger group and an older group, the, the, they're, they're all little, but the older group, I was able to talk a bit more also about how we're not trapped between an army and the Red Sea, but we need God's salvation all the same. We're trapped by our sin and we needed we need to be saved just like the people of Israel needed to be saved, uh, but even more so. And then the final day, which will be tomorrow for the from the date which with which we are recording this, uh, the lesson will be Jesus's own baptism, and how he led the way for baptism into salvation. A little more energy, Vicar. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> and Dud, uh, you know what their one of their favorite things to sing is? They love thy strong word. They do love thy strong word. <laughs> It looked like a mosh pit with kids yesterday and today, and uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I believe that was on one of my uh, my top 12 uh, lifting hymns. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Which episode was that? I have no idea. <laughs> we hit uh, 45, this week we hit 45,000 downloads. Hmm. Living the dream. So, and and uh, how about you? What's going on with you, Berg? I got a, a oh. Coke Zero here I'm drinking. Yeah, just... Uh, Getting to know everybody. Went to the nursing home today. Saw a few people. Uh, I bet you that was a little quieter than ours. Yeah, probably was. Yeah. Well, I think if they did the mosh pit, there'd be, you know, more funerals. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Work yourself out of a job. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there are, there, are definitely, uh, there are definitely times and places for things. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure a nursing home is the place for a mosh pit, even an ecclesiastical one. Hmm. That's true. Yeah, I guess so. So, uh, Vicar, what what am I preaching on here? You are. By the way, Vicar only has like one week left. That's true. I think. Like next, probably next week will probably be your last episode. That's it. And hopefully, I will earn my name, and I can stop being. You a got number. a year. Well, that's true. I have another year. To... <laughs> like if you don't pass next year. Yeah. You're like right. You're still forever a number. <laughs> oh, I'm a number. Okay, but. Nevertheless, even uh, nameless though I am, you are preaching on the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. 
and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about four thousand people. And he sent them away. So, Berg, uh, one thing that this reminds me of is, uh, did you ever listen to comedy by Jim Gaffigan? Uh, I've heard that name, yes. Yes. Uh, he uh, He's the one that said uh, he has five children and his wife gave a baby. And uh, they, he said, people ask me what, what that's like. And he said, imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> right. Uh, but he also talked about vacation. And you know what he said about vacation, Vicar? Is he said, uh, vacation just usually centers around eating. Yeah. So when are we going to have dinner? When are we going to have lunch? Where are we going to have breakfast? And right. then everything kind of centers around that. Like Yeah. And uh, when, when you look at this passage, three days, and they weren't concerned at all. Hmm. Right? They, I mean... Th- their, their concern is they were just following Jesus uh, to the point where Jesus had to say, okay, these, these people need to eat. Yeah, that is interesting. Three days and they have had nothing to eat. I think part of it is is they uh, they were more used to hunger than we are. Well, yeah, right. anybody would be. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, because we, most of the time we're not hungry, you know, right. not really. Um, I've done a 72-hour fast. And after you get past the first day, it's really nothing, and you actually have more energy. So, um, but yeah, these people are getting to the point where, you know, so, I mean, I guess it shows that Jesus cares. He's not just the God of the soul, but also the God of the body. Yeah. Which would be a great creation. You know, redemption and creation are um, so intertwined that they can't be separated, right? Mm -hmm. And this would be a good reproof against those who think that God made a mistake um, in creation, right? Like many people believe today, right? Well, yeah. I'm a man in a woman's body. Yeah. No, you're not. That's not God's mistake, right? right. You can't separate creation from um, salvation, right? And I mean, isn't that what you guys are talking about in your VBS? Yeah. Right. God uses created things in order to bring eternal and spiritual salvation, like baptism. Absolutely. And it, it harkens back to what Jesus said about worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things would be added unto you. There's right. also there's also a lesson here when it when it comes to um, hearing God's word and uh, being a church when it gets difficult. Um, or you know we we yeah. we sometimes think of 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 that as being well when it's convenient <laughs> or uh, when when the church goes through any kind of trouble oh woe is me and the, these folks. Three days without food. Yeah. Think about it. I mean, they weren't listening to a good preacher, though. Yeah. And Vicar goes over 14 minutes and people freak out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then it is a hostage situation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, you know, I think this also shows human weakness. We can never do anything. We can never do anything moderately. Mm -hmm. What's our what's our day and age about? We're all about stuffing our faces Mm. and rejecting God's word. They almost go too far. You know, these people go too far to where they're so concentrated on God's word that they, uh, Jesus actually has to step in. In either case, God steps in. 
and he takes care of our needs, whether they be spiritual needs or physical needs. Um, because, you know, there are people who they tend to go to either extreme where, you know, I was reading uh, Soren Kierkegaard the other day and he's, Me too. he's, Me too. yeah, well, you should actually, I mean, he's I got a lot of good things to say, but, uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, and you see this, especially with new converts. Yeah. New converts yeah. get so excited mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, guys, we're glad you're excited. We're glad you have zeal. Just simmer down now. Simmer down now. Right? <laughs> You're here for the long haul. Well, and, you know, it's you can't spend every day in church. You can't swim in the baptismal font. You can't always eat at the Feast of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. There are physical things in this world. We're still in the world. And in that way, Jesus reminds us of that, that, hey, you need to eat. And, and you're serving God when you feed others. And right. You're serving when, God well, in your in your vocations. You don't. You're also you're also serving God. Things. Yeah, you're also serving God when you eat, if you eat in faith. Hmm. And yeah. I'll get to that that point later, right? That uh, in Romans 14, um, he says just this beautiful thing here. That um, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So, like, even eating is an act of worship, if, if it's done in faith. Okay. I mean, isn't that's cool, right? Yeah, that I is mean, cool, yeah. Like, when you prepare a meal, if it's done in faith, like, that is worship. I think that's neat. I think that that's beautiful. And that's what we see here, right? I mean, and Jesus himself teaches us this with the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Eating and drinking in faith... Okay, so. so if I could, you've made me think of something, and it's kind of silly, but okay, hardcore Christian skate punk band called The Lead that I've been listening to. I've been for listening to them too most long, of my well, life. I've been reading my Kierkegaard. Right. And they write this song called Skate for the King. And part of the lyric says, If you're not skating for the King of King, King of Kings, you're not skating for anything. And I've kind of gone back and forth. As a teenager, I thought that was the coolest thing that you could possibly say. And then, you know, I became an adult and I kind of thought, well, it's kind of a cheesy thing to say. And then, you know, but the older I get, the more I think they were kind of onto something that if they were skating or other, you know, doing their fun activity, but they considered themselves, you know, they considered God in all of their life as part of their life, then they, they were probably accurate. They were skating for the King of Kings, right? You just mentioned that if you eat a meal in faith, then you are, then you are praising God in that meal. So they might've had something. I think they might've been right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They were right. That hmm. everything we do, if it is done in faith, is worship. It's true worship of God. And conversely, everything we do apart from faith is sin. Hmm. It's an affront to God. So that's why, Vicar, you might have noticed, like, if I'm really working hard at the freak factory, that if someone bothers me, I say, stop it, I'm worshiping right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and to get that, that look in my eye and people just kind of back off. Right. Well, you were probably standing in front of the mirror when you said that. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was some worship going on there. Of what? <laughs> I'm not, or whom? I'm not sure. Well, my body is a temple of the Lord. <laughs> so I think in, in this way, we we tend to make, and this would be a good point in a sermon too, we tend to make the spiritual and the secular separate. And they're not separate. Jesus 
brings the sacred into everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we think, everything that we feel. Um, and this is why you know you, we can go to work at kind of a dead end, crummy, crummy job, and know that we're serving God. Hmm. That when we work as a gas station attendant or a stalker or not a stalker as in stalking people, but you know, like a shelf, <laughs> like a shelf stalker. From now I know on, your mind was going there, Bullhagen. <laughs> no, I was thinking um, of corn. There, there you go. <laughs> so no, all of our work and of course, even our meals are an act of worship if they're done in faith. And that's a good thing, right? That everyone yeah. should be convinced in his own mind of this, that I am serving God by stocking the shelf, by pumping this gas, by pulling weeds out of the field. And I think that's why so many people are so disgusted with their lives. That's why we have the great resignation. That's why people mm -hmm. don't want to go to work. Well, because they don't see value in their work. The, and the other reason why is this. As a parent and as a pastor, we all know that there is, if you're just working for yourself and to meet your own goals and expectations, that isn't a very fulfilling life. Jesus' whole life was to live for someone else, not for his own sake. And that over time, if it's just to get a paycheck and just to, to do what you want to do, um, there is good things like that, that, that you can benefit from certain things. But ultimately, it is more fulfilling to, to live life for someone else. You see this when it comes to children. Children are seen as a way of it getting in the way of living the life you want to live. Right. It gets in the way of being able to live for yourself and follow your dreams when actually it's more fulfilling to, to live for someone else. You also see that in marriage where uh, why would I got, want to get married? Well, it's to live because you want to live for someone else. And if it's ultimately going to be empty, if you're living uh, for yourself and, for your own sake. I think that's a big part of that emptiness too. Whereas whether you're serving others and serving God by serving others, and, and as Berg has explained, uh, making everything is part of uh, worship. That, that, yeah. that certainly helps you, whatever vocation or job you might have, to say, okay, I'm also how you do it as well. Mm -hmm. If it's just for a paycheck, uh, then... Uh, what your your expectations are? Well, I'm gonna as long as I keep the paycheck coming. Hmm. Whereas, in all that you do with integrity and and kindness, because um, of your doing of why you're doing it and for whom you're doing it. There's a Danish theological philosopher who I was actually listening to on a different podcast, uh, The Art of Manliness, and it was about video games. The Red Dead Redemption 2, mm -hmm. and they were talking about uh, kind of the philosophy behind that. And this Danish theological philosopher uh, coined the expression, sovereign expressions of life. And I like that. I like that terminology, that everything that we do should be a sovereign expression of life. Hmm. First, sovereign, which means king. We are kings and priests before God. A sovereign can be prodigal in his gifts. He can give money away. He can spend like there's no tomorrow because he's king. Life. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And so we can do things like be kind. We can do things like uh, live for today. I mean, we are the ones who can actually practice YOLO <laughs> because we're free. No cap. We're free. So I, I think those are things to think about uh, that to live an existence where people are forgiven where we help one another, where we serve one another, where we can eat and drink without shame or fear or guilt, uh, where we can enjoy the things of this life because we know that they've been given to us by the Almighty God who is also the creator of the universe and who saved us. These are sovereign expressions of life. If we truly believe that we're kings, if we truly believe that we are Uh co-heirs with Christ, uh, then we can afford to feast. So if you hear us, we're not hearing you, and your video feed has come to an abrupt halt, and we see a freeze frame of you. Did you oh. click on something? No, I didn't click. I you just, just moved, moved the mouse? No. I just moved the mouse. Okay. I, I just said something very profound, so... Oh. We heard you all the way up to where you were starting to define the life part of sovereign expression of life. Okay. Well, I guess you'll just have to listen to oh. the edited version. God didn't want us to hear that. Yeah. Okay. But hopefully it's, the listeners will. For us. So. His worship was in vain. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. And, well, and then... <laughs> hey, hey, I still okay, I still loved God above all things, so... Okay, well, well I'll, I guess it's still recorded. We just didn't hear Yeah, it. that's true. But yeah. we talked over it, which should also not matter, because you could probably take us out of the mix, right? This... It's high-level edit. I'm... Listener, just so you know, <laughs> Bullhagen is editing uh, yeah. the senior, not the, the producer. So this isn't going to be uh, Peter quality, just... Let me say that right now. It's an act of worship, just kind of shabby. Right. <laughs> it's done in faith, dear listener. It's done in Sovereign. faith. <laughs> uh, one one thing that I want to uh, bring up about this text, though, that we have to talk about is, because um, I've preached it this way, and uh, I'm sure others have preached it this way, that um, the disciples still don't understand from the feeding of the 5,000 with their mm-hmm. question. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But Lenski, I think, has convinced me on the basis of the Greek that uh, they are not, they're, they're not the same people that they were. Let me read what, what Lenski has to say here, okay? Yeah. Right. So he says, The emphasis is on whence and in a desert place. Whence have we in a desert place so much bread, etc.? When Mark writes tis, he means one of us. Verbs of tasting, including Koritsatine, uh, take the genitive here, arton, breads, flat cakes of bread. The disciples declare that it is beyond them, in fact, impossible for any of them to furnish from any source here in this uninhabited desert place the required quantity of bread. They imply that it is Jesus alone who could do that. The tis, one, cannot include Jesus. Note human in Matthew. We observe that the disciples do not speak of a minimum, that everyone may take a little as they did in the other miracle, John 6-7, but of a maximum to fill these with bread. The disciples remember the other miracle. Thus they are not again worried. They have learned that Jesus does not mean that they might possibly find a supply of bread somewhere. Yet they do not tell Jesus what he should do. They have learned to leave everything in his hands to act when and how may seem best to him. To say that the reply of the disciples betrays no knowledge of a previous miraculous feeding and nothing but complete perplexity is to misread not only this reply, but also the word of Jesus that elicited the reply. So, I mean, I think that's another point here that we can bring out is like the disciples have learned 
And I think their response is a response that, hey, this is beyond us, but we're not going to tell you what to do, Jesus. Yeah, because they seem a lot more anxious in the feeding of the 5,000 about everything. So on the basis of the Greek, Lenski is arguing that the disciples have learned. They know it's beyond them, but they're not snippy or wasp- waspish about it, right? Right. They yeah. actually uh, they actually leave it in Jesus' hands, and it's like, Jesus, if you want to do this, you can, but we're not going to tell you what to do. We're not going to be like your mom. <laughs> Very good. And, right. what, yeah. and, what, and what reference is that? The wedding at wedding. Cana. She tries to tell him what to do. That didn't go very well, right? She overstepped her maternal authority. And so the disciples have learned that that's another point you can bring out of this text is that, hey, uh, Christians do grow. They grow in knowledge and they mm-hmm. grow in faith. So Bring, bringing back to the worship, because uh, if, in, if life is that kind of a worship, then you do learn from those previous experiences. Hmm. So, you know, there we go. So, so Bert, I've noticed that uh, you fired up the old soapbox shibboleths. I did, yes. Uh, explain explain to uh, 19.0 and the, the rest of the listeners what that is. Well, um, I've tried different things over the years on what this is. Uh, soapbox shibboleths is... Uh, a way to take the sting out of buzzwords to explain uh, ecclesiastical catchphrases that people say all the time, but no one actually knows what they mean, whether mm. that be justification or Christendom or um, any of these kind of words. Adiaphora, right? These are all words that people talk about, but they actually don't know what they mean. And so I fired this up again because um, they didn't have a way for me to record my sermons here except on CD. And there are people that want to listen, I guess, which is great, and I'm happy to oblige. We'll put a link to that um, so we could uh, send uh, the the whole Clerical Heirs army behind that. But there's a little difference between the two in that uh, for the show prep, you said, listen to this. And I I was able to listen to some of it, but then, you know, I had to get ready for VBS. Right, right. uh, What I noticed is here's the difference between the two podcasts, okay, is – for you, it, this it was basically on Christ, Christendom. That's the word he... Yeah, okay. Christendom, used. yep. And uh, if it had been clerical errors, the title would have been uh, Christendom and Dumber. <laughs> yeah. There we go. But, you know, <laughs> Yeah, big difference. <laughs> I, I knew that we wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> right. That we would prepare because I was running around all day and I know you're busy. So... Um, I actually uh, tapped some of my sources. I phoned a friend, and I was like, hey, <laughs> give us something to talk about. So okay. we are going to do a con- Confound the Clerics. All right. Mm. Bullhagen, play the intro. Can you actually play the intro? Or uh, I think I can. Okay, good. <laughs> Confound the Clerics. Might have to do it on a guitar, though. <laughs> right. If not, I'll, I'll, I'll figure something. I'll do like a, like a fake version of it. <laughs> With a kazoo. <laughs> so I uh, tapped a couple people to say, hey, do you have anything you'd want us to talk about? And after all of the uh, interesting things that we texted back and forth about, about, you know, uh, everything from the new catechism, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, please don't. <laughs> and then how about Ferdy? I told him I had to do more research on that. 
Yeah. And then St. Boniface wasn't winsome. some. Okay. <laughs> so here's the question that came out. Love your neighbor as yourself. So give up your guns, wear a mask, get every vaccine. Don't vote for a candidate your neighbor dislikes. Approve of every sin they commit. Re- reiterate what love your neighbor as yourself really means. I'd want you to talk about that. The vast majority of Christians don't know what Jesus meant, and so it leads to so much evil. You want me to start? Please. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? That was brought up as a summary of the second table of the commandments. You start with that. You love your neighbor as yourself by honoring your father and mother, by protecting life. You honor your uh, love your neighbor as yourself by loving your wife and caring for your wife and your family and by speaking well of them, uh, speaking to others with the... Uh, only those things which you have the authority to speak. If Even if it is true, you shouldn't speak it. Hmm. If it's not to the one who has authority to handle it. Uh, and also coveting. Seeking to get something that God has not given to you. That is where you start. To love your neighbor as yourself, the Ten Commandments teach us how to love God and how to love others and our neighbors. So that is ultimately where you have to start in answering what it means to love your neighbor. So I would start with that. Berg, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. I uh, I especially agree here, especially Romans 13.10, with this that love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Or what 1 Corinthians 13.4-7 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And so with those couple things there, right? Love does no harm to a neighbor. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Well, and, can I add to that? Can yep. I add to that? Please. I, add to that, I mean, uh, if, you want to, if you want to add to the Bible, I guess that's fine. <laughs> well, I was going to add with the Bible. How does that sound? <laughs> Remember, I'm editing this. <laughs> um, and I was going to add exactly what we heard from last Sunday's gospel reading. Mm-hmm. When, it, when not only... Is it the outward actions that harm your neighbor, but even in your words, but also even in your own heart? When we talk about uh, in Matthew 5, loving your wife, that means don't do any, doesn't just mean don't do any outward actions of unfaithfulness to your wife, but also in your own heart. Not only does it talk about uh, loving your neighbor, not only don't do anything to hurt them, but seek in your heart to do what's best for them. And, And when Jesus says, uh, not only uh, to pray for your enemies, hmm. that is something where you are actually, by in your heart, showing care, not just outward sign. This is just between you and God. I want what is best for my neighbor. I'm asking God to bless and protect even my own enemy. That only can come from the gospel. Yeah. To be able to learn how to do that for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Probably when I was first a pastor, I, I uh, preached that aspect of, of you know, love is, is an action. But it really is a changing of the heart, too. Amen. Um, 
So with that in mind, mm-hmm. seeking your neighbor's good, mm-hmm. not doing any harm to your neighbor. I think with that definition, we can start actually, we can start actually engaging some of the points that that this listener brought up. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, approving of every sin that your neighbor commits. That's not love because it actually no. does harm to right. your neighbor. Right. Uh, it does him eternal harm, the worst harm. Yep. It's actually hatred to let your kids wallow in sin. It's actually a hatred to let your neighbors do whatever they want because that means right. they're going to hell. I mean, the reason why you know people want to have a calm, kind of like Senate, it's all calm. Yeah. A, a calm Thanksgiving dinner. It's not because hmm. they love the people who are there with right. whom they have fundamental disagreements. There there, there was a probably a, a good where when you wanted to have a theological debate, and by debate meaning a true sense of the word, let's iron out what is true. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's iron out what, what Bible the, what the Bible has to say and, and uh, it probably on some, at some level lead to repentance. But every time you, you do that for, for a long time, and maybe we're, there's still some of that, it was, well, why you have to be so divisive? Mm. Wanting to talk theology was seen as you're being divisive. No, we're trying to clarify. The reason why we have our Lutheran convention, uh, Lutheran uh, confessions is because we needed to clarify, because we hammered certain things out and we came to the truth. That's yeah. what Christians do, and that is love. And as we approach our convention, that's... And, and isn't that exactly what 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love rejoices in the truth. Yeah. And that's the thing. Love doesn't brook with iniquity or with falsehood. It rejoices in the truth. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. So that one's pretty easy, right? We cannot tolerate sin. It's not loving to tolerate sin. Uh, the second thing here, okay, so don't vote for a candidate your neighbor dislikes, that we would stop voting for a particular candidate that our neighbor dislikes. Hmm. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like uh, you're trying to appease him rather than, I mean, you vote because you want to do ultimately what's best for your neighbor. So I would call this, you know, to use biblical terms, either domineering or tyranny. Pastors are told not to be domineering. We're told not to be tyrannical. To demand things like that is actually being tyrannical. And is it good for your neighbor if he is a tyrant? No. No. Mm. <laughs> that is actually the worst kind of slavery. And, and sometimes it's thrown around the pastor's being domineering by teaching God's word. <laughs> exactly, right? And this is why we have to know what's domineering, and that's why I wanted to use specific cases. When someone mm. demands that you not vote for a candidate that they dislike or disagree with, um, and it's not on the basis of God's word, well, what are they being? They're being tyrants. And mm. if and if you, and if that, for, for example, that is someone who's not going to protect life, that does harm to the littlest of our neighbors. You wouldn't be able to vote at all if you had more than about three neighbors. You'd have one that said you can't vote for candidate A, and the other said you can't vote for candidate B. And I mean, and then our families, you voted for so and so. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. There you go, Vicar. Thanks for my <laughs> <laughs> correct. Well, and, and there are so many. Uh, articles online now about how to get along with your conservative or your liberal family members at Thanksgiving. That's how weird. 
Yeah. Well, because there's a lack of love. There's a lack of love. And so we actually have op-eds telling people how to be cordial at a meal that only lasts for a few hours. You're telling me you can't stop talking about political policy for a couple hours and not talk about your kids or what you're doing in life or whatever? Like, that's, that is insanity, man. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> that is super crazy. But we need people from the world to tell us how to get along at a festival stu- that we're being thankful for. <laughs> right. And then that, that, that goes two ways. Nice. One way is, is one in causing offense, but also the other in taking offense. Exactly. So it goes to show that the Bible is right. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, love in these latter days has grown cold. And this is why this is such an, an important topic, right? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Because love Don't has... Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. <laughs> love hurts. <laughs> See, you could actually do a paradoxical sermon, a dialectical mm-hmm. sermon, using those two hymns. <laughs> those two hymns. <laughs> what is love and love hurts? <laughs> there you go. Okay, so we've done that one. Um, The other one that he talks about is give up your guns. You guys want to riff on this a little bit? Sure. Uh, If if my arms cause me to sin, cut them off. Is that what you're saying? Uh. Yeah, not those guns. Not those guns. Oh, okay. I would say guns in the hands of, of many are there for the protection of life and others, not to cause violence they're there to protect is it loving to your family if you live in a dangerous place to not provide them protection now there could be arguments to be made i would say that uh in some situations having guns would not be a safe thing to do so what would those situations be like if we're going to work this out okay i would say i would say there are situations with if you have young children around who are not taught to how many gun accidents are there where guns aren't put away in a safe manner? Okay, so if you're not going to be safe with the gun, if 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 uh, you're you're uh, using that to be in in a way that's dangerous to others and not for protecting life, mm-hmm. certainly. Or if if um, you're using a gun to wield uh, authority that doesn't belong to you. Like Um, your favorite militias in Michigan? Correct. My favorite militias in Michigan. I don't remember what they are. See, there you go. You have have the title to this whole deal. (laughs) Well, and I would add something to that, that uh, if you are incompetent with a firearm, if you don't go and shoot, if you're not accurate in your shots, then oftentimes a gun is worse than useless. And so if you're going to have a gun... If you're going to use it to protect your family, then you actually not only need to put things away in a safe manner, but you also have to practice with it on a regular basis. So that way you can actually, you know, remove the threat and not end up shooting your cat or something. And it's it's interesting how the Vicar Vicar just shook his head. Oh, I don't think I'm in lockstep (laughs) with you guys on this issue. Oh, please. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, okay. So as 
a left-hand kingdom issue, we have the United States Constitution and the Second Amendment. And so long as that's the law of the land, then the standard is that the right to keep and bear arms will not be infringed by the government. And so you, I will grant that the things you have said are good ideas. Mm-hmm. Like you should practice with your gun. You should uh, store it properly. But, uh, but I am loath to see the government try to make regulations of the type you two have described and, uh, well, we and, didn't say anything about governmental regulation. Okay, as long as that's not where you're going, because that's made me nervous, because I, I, I agree in the sense that, yeah, people should do safe things with their guns, uh, but I so don't... So are you for people not doing safe things? <laughs> <laughs> I am in favor of the Second Amendment and for people doing safe things with their guns, and I just get nervous when, when Berg states that people have to practice with their gun regularly or, or they shouldn't have it. It's like, that's... Certainly not what the law of the land is. Like, I haven't practiced with my gun in a long time, but I'm not ready to get rid of it. Like, I think I'm perfectly safe with my gun, uh, and there's no standard that says I have to practice with it regularly or, or lose it or, or, or feel like I must get rid of it. Well, and I don't know. It's just making me nervous. Well, and that's good. I'm glad to make Vicar nervous. <laughs> that makes right. me happy. Um, <laughs> the, inter- <laughs> the interesting thing about the Second Amendment is that it also says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed, right. Which, this is, this is the whole point. Um, we have taken the interpretation of the Second Amendment to talk specifically about individual gun rights. Yeah, the right of the people of to the keep people, and bear arms. But, right. but a well-regulated militia. The preamble could have said that uh, purple hats being beautiful, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. But this has actually been a debate in, over the course of the United States history. It has been. It's only so been far. in the last 60 years that there's been a lot of push for individual gun rights. And I really don't so care one way or the other. I, I agree that the Bible doesn't say there has to be a Second Amendment, so I will go there. But right now, I cherish the Second Amendment, and I'm glad that's oh, the law me, of the land. me too. I, okay, cool. I but I, I but I but I am saying that there is another interpretation of the Second Amendment. Yeah, that one's that, wrong though. I mean, I've read a lot of historical <laughs> documents and the original intentions of the Second Amendment, and so I I don't agree that the the militias, the National Guard, or something like that. I, well, I disagree with that. Well, definitely. and I don't agree that the sec that the National Guard should be talked about that way either because they've been okay. nationalized. Yes, though that's right. True. Yes, they have. So if militias belonged specifically to the states. So, going back to the original discussion then, Berg, on love. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if love for your neighbor is following the fourth commandment, mm-hmm. yep. right, uh, people might say, well, then, if you have some sort of a militia that rises up against the, the tyranny of the government, is that not a breaking of the commandment? But wouldn't you say also, well, the Constitution then allows that? Kind yeah. of parse that out for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this was exactly the fear of the founders that the federal government would become too powerful. And what is going to be more effective, especially in this context, individuals with guns or militias that actually can buy AK-47s, anti-aircraft stuff? That's what because I would it, love it, to see. I, I would actually a, love to see militias that can buy bazookas hmm. because your little shotguns aren't going to be able to right. pierce armor, you know, armor-piercing... Uh, Kevlar, mm-hmm. right? And that they they came with uh, uh, little comic strips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So no, I, I'm actually in I'm actually in uh, 
in huge favor of having uh, well-regulated militias that are well-trained in order to defend uh, a particular state uh, hmm. against the infringement of the federal government. Because, as Ben Franklin said, either we all hang together or we hang separate. <laughs> right. And so, so and I think we're and, and way you would more. Say, and you would say that is not a violation of the fourth commandment. Actually, I think it's. I think it is actually a, a promotion of the fourth commandment because it protects uh, families from government intrusion. It protects states from federal intrusion, um, and that is a good thing. Depending on how we work all these things out, um, the, my my only issue with individual gun rights, and don't get me wrong, I think every American should own a gun and know how to use it, so that way, if they are invaded, they can take as many down as they can. Uh, <laughs> that's my whole point about well using it, you know. That you yeah, should go see, now that now now going back to what Vicar said, does that make me a sinner if I don't have any guns? <laughs> uh, no, you are. No, I guess not. You are clergy. <laughs> you are clergy. Um, Although I don't you know, have a lot of people so, who threaten me. Yet, <laughs> you know, right. it, it's amazing how Iowa has actually shifted in a lot of ways. Um, right. I've been very happy with a lot of the things that have come out of Iowa. But my whole point is, is that. Uh, the way that individual gun rights works right now is that, yeah, they let us have our guns, but there's nothing that could actually threaten the the federal government. And that's the whole point of the Second Amendment is you come on my land and you're there illegally. You're there violating my rights. I need to have a way to kill you. I need I need to be able to defend the castle doctrine. I need to be able to defend my family. That's the fifth commandment, because who are our closest neighbors? Hmm. Your family. Our families. That's the whole point of the Second Amendment. And that's why I think, like, all of this Second Amendment talk is actually, like, soft Second Amendment. Yeah, hunting like, and I want, like that. I want to be able to shoot down drones if, they're in my, if they go over my property. I want to be able to destroy F-15s if they're going to start dropping bunker bombs. That's, that's my point. So... So now everyone know now that they know I don't have a gun or I <laughs> You better go get one. Yeah, what's your right. what what's your address again? There you go. Well, so here's I don't have a gun. Okay. Could get a sign gun free zone no, no, and put no, it on no. his house. <laughs> no, if you stop at, at any time at my house after seven thirty, I'm not wearing a shirt, so I'm not scared. <laughs> Someone breaks into the house. It's like having a large dog, really. <laughs> so no oh, no, goodness. no no Vicar, you, you don't have to be afraid that I'm some lib on this. I'm no, probably no, actually, just, you know. No, you went further than I would. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, the only thing I would take, <laughs> you know, I, I would take up I with, you, catch though, up with, with you. you, though, is, is, uh, is, is a discussion where we were. I was talking about how to using a gun and being safe with it, sure. not the government. And there is a difference whether because the government isn't the ultimate authority on morality. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the word of God is the ultimate right. authority on morality. Yep. Right. yep. And this is why the Second Amendment is very important. Mm-hmm. And why, however we we cut it, whether it be individual. So, so let me let me do. Oh, go ahead. Let me uh, let me then parse this out then, because a lot of people will say, "Well, wasn't Jesus a a pacifist?" You know, they'll point to to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. How how would Berg you 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 explain that to to them? The same way that I'd explain the text today, Jesus actually cares about the body, and the two kingdoms show up. You know, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, but it is also this world. He is king over all. He's the he's the king over uh, of power. He's the king in the kingdom of power. He's the kingdom. He's the king in the kingdom of grace. He's the king in the kingdom of glory. 
mm-hmm. make those distinctions uh, so we know that in the church we can't go and like, you know, pop a cap in a notorious sinner. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, we use we right. use excommunication no uh, to deal with okay. that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let he who is without sin fire the first gun. Exactly. But we are also <laughs> or, citizens or, of the world. We're also citizens of our country. And that means that we have particular rights. And that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that we should allow ourselves to be enslaved or our children to be enslaved, our wives to be enslaved. It doesn't mean that we should simply be quietists. In fact, I believe that Caesar, even though we owe things to him, Caesar still owes things to God. Caesar owes mm-hmm. God faith. Caesar owes God justice. And this is everything that Psalm 82 talks about. That's why I would love to have blue laws again, where everything is closed on Sundays. <laughs> I would love to have blasphemy laws. That would be awesome, because then Caesar would actually be doing what Caesar is supposed to do. <laughs> he can't force faith any more than we can force faith, but he can actually force people to be where the word of God is, which will create faith in the hearts of men. Luther says the same thing in the preface to the small catechism. If your children don't want to learn the catechism, what do you do? You send them to bed without supper. So, like, if we're going to do this Christian nationalist thing, I mean, let's just go whole hog. (laughs) There you go. 17th century, baby. It's amazing. A little time in Wyoming, and you're already starting to form militias, Berg. Oh, man. Shh, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, sign me up. All right. Were there any other topics that that brought up? You said, uh, oh, what you else was there? Votes, um, your guns, and then, uh, yeah, lawyers, guns, and money is at and money, as uh, Warren Zeffon would say, right? You bet. Um, I was reading him the other day. There you go. Well, he's a good, he's actually the one who wrote Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me and Muhammad's okay. Radio. So that could be our outro music for today, you know, for this no. episode. Okay. I'm, I, I would like to know what your talking about but i have no clue what you're talking i'm about. lost on this one i gotta admit you don't, I don't know this you one. don't know warren zeffon i don't think so really How are spelling that uh z-e-e-v-o-n zevon he did like werewolves of london and oh. uh roland the headless uh thompson gunner well you've said the three hits that immediately pop up on google when you search for it but i guess i'm unaware of this oh one. man you guys are gonna have werewolves to listen of london yep does he he doesn't rap so i don't his third album, Excitable Boy, 1978, has the three song titles that Berg okay. has just mentioned. So, yeah, I was five. <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at 80s music. Once it gets under 80, <laughs> 80s. You got to expand your horizons, man. So, that, uh, the other two is wear a mask, get every vaccine. And I think that's almost a different topic with, uh, like, for example, dubious consciences. You know, so... The big reason why a lot of people didn't want to wear a mask or get a vaccine is because they didn't think it would actually help their neighbor, but it would actually hurt them. Mm -hmm. And they weren't sure on it because nobody knew. Nobody knew what this would be. And this is a common fallacy that you run in all the time. And that is when God talks about uh, being good stewards, when the Bible talks about that, when he gave charge to, for Adam to take care of the creation. That, that, that is true, but he doesn't necessarily say how to do it, where he gives us intellect to figure out what that means. Yeah. Um, when, uh, when they have arguments about global warming, uh, you can argue about, well, what is actually being a good steward? Getting does rid it, of the 
uh, taking care of your neighbor and taking their land. There's all sorts of ways that we can actually have an honest and open discussion. But sometimes people say, well, since God made us stewards, we have to follow every green policy that there is out there without actually having discussion. Is this better for humanity? Is this better for our neighbor? Is this better for taking care of God's creation? And what happens a lot of times is when God says these things to love him and to love your neighbor, there is some honest discussions you're going to have on how to do that. And he, he, sometimes people take that where there is not necessarily clear how to do that and make make their opinion on how to do it. Well, that's exactly what God says. And so, for, so for example, if uh, they're in Wyoming, if you're uh, there, some are maybe trying to reclaim a wolf population, right? Sure. On one hand, some might say, well, it's good for God's creation to procure the wolves and to, to that it's better for the ecosystem or whatever. But then you have the other hand of people saying, well, they're eating a lot of my... I, I'm glad that you're uh, you're uh, condescending to, you know, my sits in Laban. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I walk out my door and usually there are like three or four sick deer that are around my church. And the wolves would have taken care of that. Well, and we have grizzly bears within five miles of sink of Sinks Canyon. Wow. So it's, uh, we actually haven't gone hiking there just because we want bear spray before we go. Because it's, uh, yeah, you know, and then what does that do to tourism too? So that's, that's, that's the other thing, right? Is, uh, if you have bears within five miles of the waterfall and everybody's got to have some sort of, you know, spray. And of course, like I hate nature in a lot of ways. Not, not for that, the reason. By the way, that's going to be a sound snippet for Peter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I hate it because, like, it is so adversarial since the fall. And that's the thing is, like, growing up on a farm, we didn't want wild cats around because they carried diseases that could infect the pigs. We didn't want raccoons. We didn't want this stuff around. And I'm kind of seeing the same thing here. It's like, yeah, we have deer that, like. They're beautiful. It's fun to watch them. But then they jump into my yard over the fence, and then they poop in my yard and then jump out. It's like, mm. this isn't your sandbox. <laughs> right. <laughs> fight fire. You know, my, 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 my thought is uh, with that, Berg, you got to fight fire with fire. <laughs> go jump go, the fence go, yourself. <laughs> you mean go poop in their yard or what? Yeah, or, I think that's what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> That'll show them. It's on like Donkey Kong, dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's sad because they look sick, and what are you doing mm. in town? I, I noticed that when I was uh, at uh, Baldwin. He's a name now. Oh. 15.0. <laughs> at his, his uh Okay, okay. so how many times have I been on the podcast since I've been here in Lander? Uh, Three times? Uh, how much has he been on the podcast? Uh, I haven't. Since he's yet. been in Rollins? Yeah, well, he's he is in your circuit. Bro. So <laughs> this this is actually like this isn't a condemnation of you, Bullhagen. Okay. Come on, Baldwin. I'm not the like, one with the gun. <laughs> you know, you need to step up, man. <laughs> if I can be on three times being in Lander, you can definitely mm-hmm. do it in Rollins. So Well, I I hate to say this, Berg, but this is when Peter gets in her ears and says, It's time to wrap this up. That's yeah, lame. Don't you want to go for another <laughs> like forty five minutes? Uh, we still have VBS <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we're 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 we're, uh, we're down, man. Oh man, my voice is tired. So yeah, we've been I, singing at the top I, of our lungs. I think we had a good discussion. Yeah, that was pretty wild. <laughs> that was, it a was rabbit stunning. nationalist. Yeah, a rabid. Rabbit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He he he's mad at me because I don't practice shooting enough. But meanwhile, he's trying to get like a surface to air missile. So whatever. <laughs> I don't. Boy, Al Vicker, you took that so personal. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. You took that so personally, oh. Vicker. A little touchy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we have a rule that you're not supposed to have guns at the Vicker house. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right, we're falling apart here. Oh yeah. Militias are forming. Hmm. All right, I think we've solved all of our problems today. Yep. So, thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. This is Vicar. And may your militia be well-regulated and armed to the teeth. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.